0: Okay.
1: Okay. Yeah, so I feel like the school is actually pushing the responsibilities to handle the kids' emotion to the parents.
0: Okay, what well, we're talking about here, the guys this morning, is Helen's daughter, 10 years old. She has run for the coveted position oh. of school captains. School, school captaincy. Or well, school
1: leadership roles,
0: yeah. Yeah, wait, so are they still, are they hierarchical? or Because when I went to school, it was captain mm-hmm. and then prefects. Maybe yeah. like
1: a one, two captains, and then like five prefects. Yeah, I think it's not five. It's, two. it's quite similar, but I haven't really followed up with the school because you know how much the lack of commitment that I have with my kids' school work. But um, yeah, the school just held like a um, election a couple of weeks ago where they all the candidates had to do a speech for the leader to be elected to be the leadership roles
0: i remember that i remember that i i did i, I you know i also was one of those people who i was a candidate oh did you do, oh, did you do a speech i was a candidate yeah and i oh. have no idea why i think someone just like nominated. i feel like yeah i feel like maybe my esl teacher was just like
1: uh-huh. throwing
0: me in throwing through my name in the hat but i was like had zero desire uh, i I didn't even know what I was getting myself into, but she was like, You just need to do a speech and then I remember Mrs Woodhead this is our ESL teacher legendary figure in our family mm-hmm. um she uh she helped me write the speech and I remember oh, nice mm-hmm. it was like a two I think it was a one minute speech, okay you know when you're eleven years old mm-hmm. and I just talked about where I was from- uh-huh. that was it like I was <laughs> like I grew up in Taiwan and yeah, so what did your daughter talk about? what was her Did she tackle hard the issues of the school? She talked about
1: um, wanting to get rid of the old notice board because it's kind of dilapidated and she wants to fight for more resources for the students, something along the line like that. I remember that she read it, like she did the speech as a practice in front of me, but I wasn't really paying attention at all. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, but Helen, she Helen, Helen, really, Helen. She was really into it. And they had to make posters of themselves as well. So she got on the Canva, the software uh-huh. design her. Can you of-
0: please send me what her poster oh, look? yeah I don't even know why you did not share this with the two <laughs> family chat. This is extraordinary news. Like this is whole like Tracy Flick shit going on here <laughs> in uh at a public yeah. school up in the central coast
1: you mean like that race with us? was a with yeah sport?
0: yeah election. that is like one of the best movies ever oh that is such a good movie i freaking love that movie It yeah. is is a classic you should you should have got your daughter to watch that and then she would have been oh, like oh yeah, yeah totally cute. totally fine for me to be like you know <laughs> someone who just wants to be a leader Mm. nothing wrong with that Um, that, yeah no she's always
1: if she misses the you know opportunity in primary school she still has the high school hopefully right Right. yeah but what happened with the school is that they are not going to tell the results to the kids at the school so they what 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 do you mean like um the results are announced today but At the beginning of the week, the school sent out texts to the parents of the candidates and saying that, oh, by the end of the week, this Friday, you'll be receiving a call from the school letting you know that if your child has is on board with the leadership role or not. So mm-hmm. I think essentially they're trying to push that kind of disappointment if the, if the candidate, if the student didn't get it, like they're, they're getting the <laughs> parents to do. Handle. Yeah, to, to to handle that disappointment mm. when they get home. So wow. I never thought that it happened. I don't know without a school wait. With- so,
0: mm. so will she find out today? She'll find out today. I just okay, got a I'm call so at school, so
1: um, I'm gonna call. It a maybe
0: school. that was a, maybe that was a text. <laughs> Do you want to check your text right now?
1: No, I don't have any text on school. I think they will prefer to speak to the parents directly. Yeah.
0: How many um candidates were there? I didn't even ask. Like, I do
1: not ask anything. I hardly ask anything about school. I am
0: so (laughs) invested in this. I'm so invested in this. And the mother or the daughter is just like completely not invested in this.
1: Yeah, because I don't (laughs) like school. You know, I grew up hating school. I don't like social
0: aspect. But your daughter's probably like. like, She's she's really into it. Yeah. She loves
1: school. And that's a good thing. There's nothing wrong with it. And yeah, we're just uh, hoping. I'm gonna call back call the school back after that recording and I'll let you know by text. <laughs> mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. And please, I'll
1: probably please. have to prepare my prepare myself or how to handle if she didn't get in. You know how much like I don't know. I thought I, I always thought that they're supposed to learn resilience through any situations and any environment. I don't understand why the school couldn't tell the students at school. Yeah, you know, you had to let the
0: are you saying are you saying that the teachers are not actually telling the students no they're not that is so weird yeah it's so weird that is so weird why why would the authority fall onto the parents yeah that's such a whacked way of doing things
1: yeah i did ask my my child my daughter about this she goes oh maybe school just don't want you know don't want the kids to feel bad at school if they
0: didn't that is ridiculous that is ridiculous.
1: But the thing is that next Monday comes next Monday. Everyone's still going to know who they gets- should just have an announcement at school. Yeah. What The hell
0: that's right. so weird.
1: It's like, geez, you know, I remember we were we talked about this, about how resilience has changed and how do we manage resilience with kids? Yeah. Now. This generation yeah. Is so strange. <laughs> it's so different i
0: mean, yeah, yeah.
1: it's like everyone's getting awards everyone's getting every it's
0: all about <laughs> yeah it's all about buffering feelings basically yeah. buffering hurt feelings right like, yeah oh my god anyway um so we've taken a break um it's the first day of the last month of the year uh so helen and i before the end of the year we'll probably have one more episode just a wrap-up of like best books best mm-hmm. tv shows best movies i'm really excited about that one but today um probably just a quick catch up on the stuff that we, we've been watching and reading and getting really excited about um so yeah. helen do you want
1: to oh, i was going to ask you are you still waiting online for the two-step violin
0: oh yes yeah. so um uh for all you guys out there who don't know two-step violin are um a pair of um taiwanese australian comedy yeah. duo who also happened to be extraordinarily talented at the violin. Um, and I kind of, they were always in the background for me. I never really, I mean, I, I actually have never watched an entire video of theirs on oh, YouTube, you? only because you know how much violin traumatizes me. I had like a, such a traumatic uh, background with the violin that I just okay. like cannot stand anything to do with the violin. But I, it's always been the background because my nephew who is you know now 18, he plays the violin and he um used to send me videos of them because they're quite they're really really funny they're very very funny videos just of pe- poking fun at um what uh playing the sort of po- poking fun at the classical music world and having in jokes about you know violin repertoire mm-hmm. um and That's the difficulties of making it As a classical musician. Yeah, Yeah. Asian parents. They're both, um, I think they're both from Brizzy. Um, My interest was spiked um, a few weeks ago after watching an Australian story on them, Mm -hmm. and it was an extraordinary episode. I really, I just found them absolutely inspiring. And so uh, I found out that they're touring Australia next year. And so at the moment, their pre-sale tickets have just been released uh, however, the email doesn't actually send you to a link to um, <laughs> Sydney Opera House tickets. So um, it only sends you to the Melbourne Art Centre site, which is really strange. I don't know how they could have uh, messed that up. Uh, or I'm not—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm not like a completely tech unsavvy, so I don't know if I'm doing anything wrong.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But. Um, did oh no it's 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 happened it's happened it's oh, happening it right now. Okay. Oh, wow, okay. Well, okay. um it's it does it, it says pre-sale sign up but
1: you have to sign up first. Yeah,
0: I have. Yeah. Yeah, it's annoying everything like it's So weird. Well, yeah, and I I've, I've never had to like I've never been someone to like you know I I have zero interest in music so <laughs> I or bands so I've never had to like Go online to get something
1: mm-hmm.
0: um so i don't know what i'm doing to be honest but i do want to just check out their concert because um they looked pretty interesting they looked funny yeah if you go through and the- worth going to
1: because my kids grow up with watching their videos and my son the nephew you mentioned um mm-hmm. he actually participated in one of the street performance with them oh they- did he crowdfunding that's back in like I don't know five, six, or five, six or seven years ago. Yeah, mm, mm. a couple of years ago, and they were just really dedicated. I think they were really dedicated, or you know, kind of changing the path from the mainstream, yeah, traditional classical musicians to this a very, pretty much unknown um, Sophia of. Doing comedy with yeah classical music yeah yeah I think they did they, they have attracted a lot of people into you know pick up an instrument which is a good thing because you know we talking about classical music you go to any of the symphony um, concerts the average age of the attendees are like sixty and plus. I'd say sixty, sixty-five. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's so hard to get younger people to yeah to get into classical music. I think they're doing a very good job on that.
0: Oh, I, I completely agree. I completely agree. I think they've really tapped into something that is absolutely extraordinary. And I'm like, I'm so proud that they're from Brisbane as well. Mm-hmm. I feel like Brisbane is a much more like cooler city than ever. <laughs> It's just getting cooler and cooler like amazing oh. people come from brizzy you know um brizzy is no longer like i feel like when we were growing up brisbane was the shit city that like everyone bagged out because you know it's uber conservative it's in a very conservative state nothing literally nothing happens in brisbane like we all know that to this day brisbane doesn't you know not you don't there's nothing cool happening in brisbane perhaps besides maybe comedy uh, there's cool, I think there's good comedy happening in Brizzy and also um they're really strong writers coming out from Brisbane. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah um these two guys born uh I think they were born in Taiwan both of them right and then they came to Brizzy. yeah they're like us. Yeah 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 mm-hmm. um and uh I think they're just uh, I was going to say geniuses, but I would probably don't want to throw that around too casually. Uh, but they're just really, really smart. What they've done, um, you know, making content on YouTube and making such a serious, uh, discipline. Like the violin is so fucking serious. You know, people who, uh, people who play the violin are so fucking alpha types. They like have a stick up their ass. They're just so <laughs> uptight and so like they take themselves so seriously. And it's just like so great to see these two Asian dudes
1: Making who are just like, fuck
0: this. It. Yeah. Like we're, we're, we're f- they're, and they're funny and you know, they lean into their humor. It's like, it's so refreshing. I, I freaking love it because I just, I, I cannot, I just, when I think back to all the violin, like me wanting to be a violinist and like how hopeless I was at it, like, l- 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 like, Materially speaking, um, objectively speaking, I was, like, really, really not a good player. And you just survived. thinking about uh I, I just, I really, I, I feel sorry, not in a really pitying way, but I feel really sorry for the person I was up until the age of maybe 30. Just, like, everything I did before the age of 30, I'm, like, I had no idea what I was doing i had like absolutely zero like i i did things without knowing exactly why i did it like in every facet of my life like career relationships everything and i look back and i'm like i feel so bad for that young woman who just just like what was i doing it's just like it's so horrifying to think about um my life before 30 absolutely like had no idea what i was doing but anyway um i'm glad that these guys two set violin the world tour starts in january these guys are they know their shit they're really really good at what they're doing and uh, hopefully we'll secure tickets um melbourne i think they're yeah they're playing in all major cities um it takes a lot of courage
1: to discard the mainstream path for classical musicians. Like for a lot of musicians that study up until like tertiary, most of them have very um, narrow pathway for them to maintain that musical career. You either perform or you teach. Teach, yeah. Basically, I mean, you do karate, but the com- competition is just so it's immersely Horrible, I think, in the way that for a lot of musicians that the pressure—if you think about it—I <clears throat> remember our brother who was in the music industry as well. He said it's even harder to get into a prestige um, orchestra than become a doctor.
0: So yeah, of course. Uh, also, being a doctor is not hard, guys. Come on, <laughs> you just—you just need to memorize shit. <laughs> That's literally it. You just, I mean, literally anyone could, you know, all these, like, things we, like, uh, you know, uh, valorize, have such high status. It's, like, literally anyone could do it under the right conditions or if you really want it hmm. hard enough.
1: Uh, anyway, um, anything else happening in your life in the last few weeks?
0: Um, Well, I wanted to say I'm really looking forward to seeing Napoleon. Haven't done that yet. Are you looking forward to seeing it?
1: Um, not so much. I'm not really into history, especially European history. But it's
0: Ridley Scott and Waki Phoenix. I will watch. I will watch it for the sake of Waki Phoenix. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, classic actor. <laughs> one of our generation's best.
1: Yeah, I think Yeah.
0: Well, I've been seeing a lot of movies and uh, really loving the two that I'm going to speak th- about this episode. First one I'll probably start with is Saltburn um obviously a second film from Emerald Fennell who came out with Promising Young Woman in 2020. Uh-huh. I'm so like staggered by how quickly people make movies like it's but, just extraordinary I am she came out with *20 um Promising Young Woman her first feature in 2020 that's like less than three that's three years ago yeah. and my book came out in 2020 and I haven't even published my second book and she's made a whole movie like it's just extraordinary i feel so i feel so kind of like in in awe of how quickly movies movies like movies require yeah, yeah, the, the about, movies, like hundreds oh, of people sorry. right agree, hundreds right. of people yeah and um and to think that yeah i mean like there are more people required to make a movie than to, than there is required to write a book And yet i'm like comparing my own productivity to these extraordinarily um privileged and wealthy people emil Fennell is from a very privileged background she her father or one of her parents was i don't know um someone oh i think her father was the jeweler to really famous wealthy people so anyway she's in the know uh uh was something i was i really wanted to see because a jacob lordy um who is the sort of man that everyone wants to perv on in this generation because he's tall that's a bit that's basically about it um (laughs) his height his height is um is basically viagra for women (laughs) um he's like over six feet five six feet five six five yeah um and uh been doing the rounds he's uh being cast as really in the same role in all of what he's so far been cast in um similar roles like he's got the same he's in he's been cast in the same lane like he's got a lane uh he was first you i first noticed him um in the kissing booth which is you know are these teen ya rom-coms starring joey king People love her or hate her. I'm kind of on the fence about her. Uh, There were three kissing booths. Don't know how that happened, but, you know, YA is a huge market. Um, So he plays the toy boy there, I suppose. And then, obviously, he had that famous role um, in Euphoria as the jock, also the same kind of jock-bro-esque character. And then he plays Elvis in uh, Sophia Coppola's upcoming movie Priscilla. Uh, where he is not the main character, obviously, as the title says, it's the movie is about Priscilla. And he plays just the background supporting dude. And um, and then in Saltburn, he plays the the object of our protagonist's desire. Um, and uh the protagonist is played by Barry Kiergan, who is probably another. Uh, actor of our generation. He has a very unusual face. Uh, I think he is extraordinary. I didn't, I haven't actually seen him in anything else. He's in the Banshees of Inishiran. So Helen, you saw that movie. He's in that. Yes. I think yeah. he has a minor really
1: role. Good. Yeah, but he's playing yeah. that. He he plays a, a young boy who's been abused and uh-huh. almost like a village idiot. I think. Right. Yeah. He's yeah. And you know, people make fun of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like he played really, really well in the banshees or in Asheron. yeah.
0: Yeah, he's in um, The kill- the Sacred Killing of the Deer or something like that, um, which I haven't seen. But, yeah, every, every movie he's in is like a modern classic. He's really, really amazing. And I think he was like adopted or he was he, like his background story is actually quite interesting as well. I think he was like he grew up in an orphan or oh. something like that.
1: Yeah, really, uh, his mother struggled with drug addiction throughout her adult life and died when he was twelve. Oh, okay. Father, he spent seven years in foster care.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, very mm. hard. So there's trauma in his. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. In his background, and uh, and the the movie really centres on his obsession with this guy he meets at um, Oxford. I feel like if you're listening to us right now, you probably would have heard or seen stuff about it it's very uh, yeah. yeah it's very um it's got very hard mixed reviews so if people okay. either hate it or love it i'm definitely in the love it uh camp uh no doubt about it uh, my favorite writer in the world wesley morris um slammed it in his new oh. york times review what's, very interesting what's his perspective well, he just said that the film had nothing to say. He okay. kept saying that. He just basically said um, it was over the top for no reason, which is what a lot of the Guardian reviews were also about. Like, I feel like there have been at least three Guardian reviews now slamming the movie, essentially saying essentially saying the same thing, that it had nothing, no substance. It was all kind of hype. Um, it was all kind of over the top, but no substance um, basically is what all these reviews are saying. Um, I'm Thoroughly disagree. I don't know what they're going on about about um, not it, the movie not having something to say. I don't think it's very generous, first of all. And I do wonder if a movie that was made of this quality and of this in this particular tenor—it's very, very um, hyperbolic. The movie is confrontational; it's meant to stir you. Mm-hmm. I just wonder if it's if it was made by a man, if 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 it was made by a male director. Mm-hmm. if that would have received such <clears throat> negative um, lack of generosity. I feel like a lot of those negative reviews just l- lack a lot of generosity mm-hmm. in terms of what Emerald Fennell was trying to do. Mm-hmm. It is,
1: is that a original script? It's not adapted?
0: Yeah, it is. Oh, okay. That's no, a-, a lot of people are saying it's like a mix between... Uh, ta- the talented Mr. Ripley and Bride's Head Revisited, Evelyn Waugh's epic classic. Um, my friend Billy, I told, I asked, I said to him, a lot of people are calling this, um, the modern day Brideshead Revisited. He outright said, no, it's not. Mm-hmm. So I really like that. Um, I saw elements of Talented Mr. Ripley. Um, but, uh, but I, I just thought it was exquisite and wonderful and, the whole point of the movie for me is um, to perv on a Jacob Elordi mm-hmm. and uh, and it does a, spe- a spectacular job of it. That's literally all it does and that's all it needs to do. Okay. I mean, well, it does much more, but, like, uh, I think the most important thing for me was that it was a film that allowed us to jizz while watching Jacob Elordi. Okay. <laughs> I've only seen the trailer. I think it's very
1: extravagant. The whole extravagant, story. yes right it, it makes me think when you mention uh, the teller mr Rip, uh, what the, the teller mr ripley i feel also it's got a vibe of the greg gatsby because of the whole setting of the yeah it, it's not like a um, period of time as well isn't it is it in the like the 20- it's set in 2006. oh 2006 oh my god yeah, so I'm before sorry.
0: in before instagram before the gfc okay. before smartphones it's like on the precipice of so much that was about to change. Okay. Maybe because the whole setting looks very ancient
1: to me, I feel like it's almost like well, a similar vibe of the great Gatsby. You know, yeah.
0: party. Well, and- yeah. Well, the house the house is probably a house in which the titular character of the movie, you yeah. know, of which the movie is based called Saltburn. That's the name of the estate in which... Jacob Ballard's family belong um uh, possess um that is uh, well wesley morris says that's the most pornographic element the house <laughs> of, of the movie so that was how he finished his review wow. the most pornographic thing about the movie was the house which i loved um but yeah uh how about you do you what what what, what movie or book do you want to talk about
1: Okay, so two weeks, I've, I've had COVID ever since.
0: Oh, yes, Helen has come down. One of the few, one of the very many people, actually, who have come down with uh, COVID. Yeah.
1: So I got it from almost two weeks ago after attending the bookshelves event uh, for Taiwanese Film Festival at Kino and in Sydney. Um, I wanted to just quickly... Uh, briefly mention with the, the events, we are having another one coming up in December, which will be hosting Ji Dawei, a queer writer from Taiwan. Um, his most acclaimed novel called Membrane, so that's going to happen in Darlinghurst on the 10th of December. So if anyone who will be interested to, you know, uh, you know, witness a pedal of speakers talk about Asian queer literature, come on the 10th of December. Um, but that uh, the event at Kinokuniya was really great. I mean, we didn't have a lot of people, but I think mainly is because the illustrator and the writer who came across this time at Kinokuniya, Li uh, Shangqiao and also Daily Green, which is a paint name. They both uh, haven't had their works translated into English yet but we had a lot of fun. Um, I was actually quite intrigued with some English speaking attendees on the night, even though that both of the works has not been translated into English. Um, the English speaking attendees, they say that, oh, we already had some fans that translated partially of the work. So you, you can understand how popular it is becoming for Chinese mongers on the global scale. Had mm. a lot of engagement from the readers um some of the english speakers are interested with the current um like the social climate of the time ta- of taiwan and one even asked like how much liberty does a taiwanese creator have in order to create lgbtqi um related content because mm-hmm. both of the works are very closely related to the gay community um I just told them that, well, in relative, compared to China and Singapore, Taiwan is so open. Absolutely. They're so open. And they're actually quite surprised that Taiwan um, has already legalized same-sex marriage. And I'm going to just kind of baffle that not a lot of people know that. That Taiwan is the only Asian country that has legalized same-sex marriage. Are these Australians? Yeah, they're Australians. And they didn't know? That's so weird. They didn't know, Yeah. So I really want to emphasize on the, you know, the progressiveness and the value of human rights in Taiwan is so, so advanced compared to many of Asian countries. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, even, even with Singapore, um, one of the, one of the reader came up to me and saying that um, she only knew that Singapore decriminalized same sex last year. It was only last year they decriminalized that. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's surprising for me as well. Hi there! If you're new to our show, thanks for tuning in into our program and we hope you will stay with us for a very long time. And if you're a regular listener, we're forever grateful for your continuous support throughout this period of uncertainty. It has really helped this podcast to gain a great exposure as our mission is to centre the perspectives of people who look like us, who are marginalised historically to the sideline of conversation. So if you haven't already, we encourage you to subscribe to our podcast on Omni, Apple, Google or Spotify and leave a rating and review. And of course, as a small podcast program, we rely on listeners support to continue this work. Please do check out our Buy Me Coffee page and make a donation in order for us to continue and advocate the intersectionality in the podcast industry. Um, anyway, so my cultural consumption with the movies, um, during my isolation period, I've watched quite a few movies. Um, Great. That's how you should get through COVID. <laughs> you told me to watch uh,
0: Night to 5. I did. It's quite entertaining. Classic, classic movie <laughs> starring yeah. Dolly Alderton, Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda. It's also always. Oh, what so- a <laughs> trip. What a trip, honestly. I know. Oh.
1: It's They're so, so
0: good. I fucking love that movie so much yeah it's so interesting
1: what you know seeing someone that from your own memory you've only seen them in the old, old mature age yeah, yeah exactly Jane Fonda
0: in their young it is so <laughs> it is such it is so humbling I have to say I really enjoy watching yeah. I really need to watch more um older films because oh, really? when I do um I see you know Al Pacino and uh Robert Redford, all these like, or Clint Eastwood when they're younger. It's just like it's so humbling for me. Not humbling, but it's more like it's just such a reality check because it reminds you that everyone gets old Mm -hmm. eventually. And like it's just like oh, like just watching Jane Fonda, um, because I've only ever seen Jane Fonda old in the movies that I grew up with, and then also Dolly Parton. I've only seen her like extremely Botox, and so yeah, yeah. But, like, it, all these women were, like, yeah, and all these men were once, like, young and absolutely beautiful. Like, I, I remember my dad once saying when we were younger, he was, like, um, when you're young, you are just beautiful. Like, because I, I remember telling him I don't – something like, oh, I, I don't feel pretty or, like, I don't feel like I'm attractive. And he was, like, all young people are attractive. Don't worry. Hmm. And he's so right. Honestly, like, last night um, I was – um watching a bit of uh, my partner was watching the um beatles documentary you know that five 16 million hour one i don't remember what it's called <laughs> but it's like um it's the one where like they basically follow the the band follow how they how they record this one classic like i, I know nothing about music and even less about the beatles but it's like that famous one that came take what is it called um uh, who cares what it's called? But it's just like that really famous, important documentary that was released, I think, maybe last year that everyone went crazy over, and it's like six hours long. Anyway, um, uh, yeah, and it was like so startling for me to see um the young Paul McCartney because, like, I've only ever seen him, like, ancient, you know? I've only <laughs> ever seen him, like, super old. And to see him, like, young, I'm like, wow, like, it's just like, it's so it's such an important reality check The cost to get n- back, get back. Get back. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Thank you. Brains Trust. Um, Yeah. It's just like, it's so important to re- see that everyone gets old. Yes. I, I feel like it's, it's so I'm nice expect- for me because I am kind of uh, sometimes too obsessed with wanting to be attractive and looking good. And it's just like, no, nah, everyone, everyone gets old, Yeah, you know, it's, it's so it's such an important lesson to remind myself whenever I feel down about shit.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the movie that, uh, apart from Night to Five, I also watched Black Widow, which is another 80s movie because they recommended me to watch after I finished Five. Black mm-hmm. Widow, um, I watched Genie, uh, Melissa McCartney's new –
0: Oh, yes, I want to see that. Is it good?
1: No. I'll be honest, this is a very rare moment that I criticise Melissa's work, but this is such a boring Christmas film that I continuously distracted myself with my phone. It's like, it's very predictable and it's, there's nothing interesting or exciting throughout the whole film. And there's no, there's no actual, there's a bit of comedy, but there's no usual over-the-top Melissa McCartney. I think she toned down for this movie. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, you can put wow. it on background like a cookie because it's very predictable. Yeah. yeah,
0: it's got pretty bad reviews, but I, I don't pay attention to those reviews when it comes to, you know, like stuff kind of light, light-hearted, lightweight comedy. Yeah, it's light but, but, but you're saying it's really actually quite bad? It's actually quite bad, I think. Who, who else is in it? <sighs>
1: So it's based on the protagonist is a black man where he, you know, kind of um, had his wife leaving him just before Christmas because he's working so hard, long hours. He's kind of semi-abandoned his family for his career. And then uh, he picked up this, I don't know what is it, it's like a jewellery box, an old ancient jewellery box, and he – robson and then out came a genie which is played by Milica. are <laughs> you kidding
0: it's it's oh got a God. bit of
1: fun elements in it, but i don't think it's yeah it, it's really predictable yeah wow it's it's i think it's on the same part of the what's the christmas movie that we watched last year that had Liz but you- i love all Chris- <laughs> but i love all christmas cheesy movies <laughs> it's so cheesy yeah, which which movie did it remind you of? Um, remember last year when we were at Newcastle and we watched Lindsay Lohan's Christmas movie?
0: Oh yeah, that was pretty bad. That was pretty <laughs> bad. Ugh. Oh my god. It was cringy. It was very cringy.
1: It was very, yeah. cringy. Yeah. And very cheesy. But I'm actually looking forward to see um Addie Murphy's new Christmas film. I think it's called- Eddie Murphy
0: has a Christmas movie coming. Yeah, out? you look it up. It's called Candy Can Lane. Oh right, yeah, I've seen the ads on. Um,
1: I've yeah. seen the
0: ads on um, YouTube. I'm actually think-
1: quite. Oh no, on Netflix, yeah. Or to see Eddie Murphy.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, my next movie consumption is Cat Person, which okay. had a limited release, came out about. 10 12 days ago um we went to see the media with preview of it i was lucky enough to do that with my friend sal and my partner and we uh, i loved it we all lo- really loved it uh, obviously it's based on the um really viral the first kind of viral short story probably history's only viral short story really? um i'd say so from 2017 in the new yorker can't believe it's been that long 2017 feels like you know 20,000 years ago nice. uh and uh it obviously it takes the short story expands on it so it, the movie is around 2 hours the first hour follows the short story yeah it's pretty long yeah the first hour follows the short story quite faithfully and then the second hour really takes off and completely departs from the original short story it becomes a kind of domestic violence-esque thriller-esque um woman trying to escape a violent man story Mm. um and some people might think it's a bit over the top but i still i still felt incredibly invested in the story i thought it was really true to what it feels like to date as a young woman yeah and how to and, and what it feels like to be a young woman um in today's society Um, I had similar vibes to when I left Promising Young Woman in the sense that I felt that here was was a text, here was a movie that really spoke to my, um, it really reflected, spoke and represented very faithfully what it felt like for me to be a woman in this world. And I can't believe that we don't have more films like this. There was one excellent review um, from someone in the States, a male reviewer who said that, it's really surprising that there are no, there are not more movies or stories about the dangers of dating as a woman, Mm. Um, especially, you know, with today's app world, you know, apps and all that. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was such a extremely um, interesting and agreeable point. Like, I agree with the guy. Um, It's interesting that there are no, there are not, more texts about how dangerous it is to date as a young woman. But I think
1: my response will be that you don't really need texts or movies to know that it is already very dangerous for young women or any woman to go out and date.
0: Why? Because it's already we the already, stories are already.
1: Already it's, it's a reality and we've been growing up being fed into that concept of, the world is dangerous for women like I agree that we should have more movies about it but at the same time I think we don't need someone to give us more warnings because we already know I feel like we already know that is very dangerous right yeah yeah I see what you're saying yeah I mean, Work has been done yeah I actually um, digged up the original story and listened to it from the New Yorker um, so for those who hasn't watched the film or read and listened to the story, the synopsis is about a 20-year-old Mar- Margot. I'm pretty sure that her, yeah. daughter, her encounter with a 34-year-old male, Robert, um, randomly at her workplace and they got hooked up And her collection of experience from this stranger to a very brief intimate relationship that is full of confusion and self-doubt. <laughs> That's my summary of the story. Mm. Um, from what my opinion about this story is that it is written, writing from the perspective of a 20-year-old uh, woman, which I'm long gone from that age. So I, like, I do observe there is a lot of naiveness in her emotion. Um, mm-hmm. Throughout the piece of writing, there's a lot of self-questioning. Um, and o- also there's like a, a lot of monologue between mm-hmm. herself that um, her own assumptions without communicating to the guy. She, like, she assumes that uh, this is how he feels or is this what he wants and she just go with it. And I think most people who might be attracted to this piece of writing is how much that this work explores the sexual... Intimacy. I don't even think it's intimacy. Mm. I feel like it's almost just very physical intercourse without emotion because there's no verbal consent between them. Mm. If are like so confused, their, their sexual desire between them was so confusing for each other. Yeah. She half, she was not sober. She was almost drunk when she had sex. Mm-hmm. And to me, I feel like, is this piece of work trying to explore the idea that being young is for well, confusion you know or is it like a learning yeah. i mean eventually most of us navigate by experience but this whole experience was just really bad for her because mm-hmm. one, there was lack of genuine communication there's no there's mm-hmm. no pragmatic communication because um, i'm speaking from a very pragmatic person from the writing it seems like they text back and forth a lot, but she doesn't know where he works. She doesn't know her actual age and too much later. She doesn't know um, anything about him, except that he he said that he mentioned he has cats, but she never seen the cat when mm. she passed mm. Yeah. So you, it, it, to me, it feels like it's a dating with a mask on, like what are mm. you actually hiding? And I think both of them were hiding something both the mm-hmm. girl, and both the woman and, you know, the man, And it makes me wonder, like, why do you want to hide? And what is it that you cannot confront with yourself or with that person? Because it, it, the whole thing to me is very, I don't know, I guess because I have a very different dating experience. So what, what do you think with the whole story?
0: Yeah. Um, well, the thing is, are you saying basically it wasn't relatable to you?
1: Um, yeah, it, I, I found it hard to relate. I think it's a really good write, uh, piece of writing. Yeah, yeah. It's very explicit, it's very detailed. Mm-hmm. I found it hard to relate because I do question, like, okay, it, it does seem like you text and even, you know, communicate back and forth a lot, but there there wasn't any genuine communication about the real self. In, I wonder if that's what's happening because my last dating experience is so long. Yeah.
0: Long. Well, I feel like, I Helen, you, um, you're you probably of a different generation. Yeah, I'm a different
1: this. generation. I'm a yeah. very different person as well because I'm a very yeah,
0: you are person. Yeah.
1: Like I don't fuck around. I don't, you know. Yeah. It's like, yes, okay, if you're going to commit, you commit. you be done, you don't. And I, I don't. I'm not half-half, I guess, so, yeah.
0: Yeah, um, well, the power of this mo- um, this short story and why it went viral, I think, is because uh, so many women related to it, so many women related to it, and I definitely did. Um, the sort of it's, – it's so – like, I think you've really addressed that point really well when you said that uh, the – the The short story is about someone young and um, quite insecure and unsure about how to navigate these really strange relationships, these strange interactions. Mm. And um, that is exactly why it was so, I think I think it's why so many people read it and loved it because it captured the very, almost uncapturable feelings that we have Mm. um between the different when uh, the feelings we have when we encounter someone that we kind of like but we're not sure where where the interaction or where the sort of relationship is going the relationship not is not as in like a, a formal relationship but just like the relation that you have with someone new and you're kind of interested in but you don't really know where it is heading um those those first few weeks of trying to work out what you have with this new person that you're kind of romantically interested in they're like the most ineffable inexplicable uh, feelings that we have and I think Kristen Rappinio's somehow captured it so well in this short story that was very perfectly written and it was it just captured the essence of the confusion and the murkiness of those first few weeks and um it was kind of you know a a a short story that really captured the murkiness within like um texting as well i guess like a, a relationship that begins through a smartphone which is i feel like i guess from 2017 is really what people were doing you know and most people do these days when they're dating a lot of their interaction starts via the smartphone so for all those reasons uh i think that's why the the short story was so successful and so relatable to so many women and it was also very short i think the short story you can read it within like half an hour 15 15 minutes yeah yeah it's a very short story so Uh, For all those reasons, I was very excited to see it being adapted into um, a movie. Usually short stories are really, really, they lend themselves very well to being adapted to a two-hour movie. This one was different in that it took something uh, that was like, what, 10 pages and then turned it into and then uh, um, sort of transplanted those 10 pages into 60 minutes of narrative. And then the, the following 60 minutes, it took it, took the narrative elsewhere so that was kind of different but all in all i still like really enjoyed the movie i think the original short story is um unfoldable uh and very important it's still a very important text um we i guess we can't we can't um exit this conversation without talking about the uh the I I don't actually remember which platform it came out on. My friend actually sent it to me last week, but I've forgotten now. But there was a first person essay that came out last year from a woman who said that she was the original uh, woman who that short story was based on. Do you remember that? Oh,
1: okay.
0: yeah. So I don't remember which um publication she had published that she memoir. Wrote something herself. Yeah, she wrote a first-person narrative. Maybe it was on – it wasn't Slate or Nylon, but it was something like – it was like another kind of American publication where, you know, these things always occur. And um, maybe Helen, she's doing the Brains Trust right now, can find out for me. But I didn't actually end up finishing this story because I was too bored um, and not interested enough to finish her first-person narration about how she was – the.
1: Real life inspiration from Wikipedia for Cap, Yeah, twenty twenty one Alexis Nowiki. Nowiki? Yeah, published an essay in Slate magazine. Slate. Alexis right. Okay. That Rapanian is the writer for Cat Person has had appropriated details from Wiki's life and that of her ex boyfriend and used them for Cat Person.
0: Yeah, so I read it, and I actually didn't think there was much. Um, yeah, I didn't actually think there was much. Well, um, re- much in common. Uh huh. I mean, because like you want? because these kind of stories
1: are so common. I feel like. Yeah! Yeah. You're up with someone that you're. Well, if you read, you haven't read the original writing. I feel like from the original writing that the female protagonist is, is not that, it, it feels like it's really confusing because from the writing, she doesn't manifest sort of the romantic vibe. She feel like, oh, this guy is into me. I might just as well take it. I don't, mm-hmm. get, the, I don't get the reciprocal, actually the mutual feelings that is deep enough for them to become a romantic. Intimacy, it's mm-hmm. almost like a very casual um, relationship. They feel like, oh, you're available, I'm available, we'll just try it out. It, mm-hmm. doesn't, it doesn't give me the vibe of that they really fell for each other. That's what I think. I don't know how, oh, yeah. how is the movie is presented, but that's how the writing was um, to me, I think. There wasn't much... Chemistry.
0: Yeah. I don't think it was supposed to be.
1: Chemistry from it. Yeah. I guess I also, I'm also wondering whether or not it's trying to reflect the generation of um, people who feel like, oh, I'm at the age I'm supposed to be hooking up with someone. Mm. My friends are in relationship and you know, someone who I don't particularly that, that is not. Is it that intuitive, but he's just available? We might just give it a try or something like that. But it mm. yeah, yeah, of yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So that's all I had this week to talk about. Any final thoughts?
1: No, I just thought that it was probably a very common story for you know our current society because yeah, I guess people still feel lonely and they still want to be with someone and eventually that if you move, make the wrong move, you know, you send out the wrong signal or something like that and you come Yeah, you properly and then you all goes, you know, down south. Yeah. 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 Okay, so that's the end of our episode. Remember to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Google and Apple and give us a 5-star rating. If you'd like to support what we do here at Asian Bitches Down Under, head to Buy Me Coffee page and make a donation for us to continue the intersectionality in the podcast industry. So that's it from us this week and we'll chat to you next time.
0: Bye.